This is episode 36 of... You'll Die Trying. I'm Jonathan Carroll. I'm Nathan Morris. Thank you for joining. Yes, thank you. Coming in a little heavy-hearted today. Really? Yep. Why? I don't know uh, if it's, you know, carrying some of my practice around with me or just some introspection, but uh, I've, I've been thinking a lot uh, in the last 18 hours uh, about brokenness and authenticity and grief. Uh, my own and others. And I think it's just, it's kind of, it's brought me to a place of, uh, I would say a bit of an epiphany, which is good. We're still in the season of epiphany, I think. Right. Uh, I think we just ended. I think this is the second Sunday of epiphany coming, but I, I don't remember that stuff anymore. But anyway, no, it wouldn't be the second. I thought it ended on January 12th, I always thought, but. I think you're right. Yeah. And it, so it's over. Yeah. I'm having a post epiphany epiphany. Yeah. And uh so I thought I would uh I would ask you or talk to you a little bit about it. About how uh do do you see or think about people as broken? I, I yes, they are whenever you ask that question. I don't walk around and say they're broken, they're broken all the time, but yes, I I do find myself being aware of that. From time to time. I t- it's funny because I tend not to do that. I mean, I know that we all are. I mean, I'm not under the um, assumption or the fantasy that, that, there's, that we're not, that there's perfection out there. Of course not. But I tend not to see that about people. I've always tried to see, I think, the best in them while being honest, you know, and to tell the truth in as measured and hope-filled and empathic way as possible. But I think that I sometimes fail to reflect on my own brokenness on my own. And so when it just kind of comes at me out of nowhere, it's, it's, it can be overwhelming. I think I, I had one of those moments last night. Does this mean this entire episode I have to be a little bit more stoic? I don't know. You ha- only you can decide for yourself what you have to be. Okay. Just read your script. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I was a kid when my dad died, just turned 15 four days earlier. And um, as we've talked about before, it seems like every TV show, there's a, you know, a parent who goes missing for one reason or the other. And it's a theme. Obviously, it's a theme because it's a theme in life. And I'm a participant in that theme. And uh, I don't think that I have, obviously, I have not fully, nor will I ever fully process the magnitude of that bone-crushing, life-altering grief of having a parent die when you're a kid, because that's your, that's your worst nightmare, you know, when you're a kid, 
and it, it happened. Um, but I carry a lot of that stuff around, and I'm not always completely aware of that, A, or honest about that, B. And so then I got to thinking, well, what does everybody carry around that they are not aware of, A, or honest about, B? So I circle back again to this question of authenticity, and I'm reminded that I was taught that when that what someone talks about the most, they are experiencing the least. Hmm. So I talk a lot about authenticity, and I have to test myself against that quotation, which means maybe I'm experiencing that the least. So I started to kind of put all this stuff together, you know, tearfully and prayerfully and with hope and with help and realized, yeah, I think that we all carry around a certain degree of brokenness that we don't talk about. We're not honest about, even with the people with whom we should be honest. Do you want me to share something that I had a revelation about today that really coincides with this? It's amazing that yeah. before Agreed. we were meeting today to, to podcast, to this 36th episode, which by the way, we're grateful for you to be a part of. Thank you very much. Brent, or not Brent, Brent, we just talked to, Drew and myself went to eat lunch. Okay. And as I'm getting out of the SUV, I drive and Drew, I'm like, I'm glad you came to lunch with me. I'm finding myself becoming more reclusive. And he was like, really? Why? And I said, I don't like being around people that much anymore because they make me a little bit nervous. And he asked me why. And in the world that I'm in of being around people all the time and people wanting of me and from me, it's that transaction they're taking and taking and taking and taking. And um, it's creating this sense of maybe emptiness for me. So I tell him I don't go out in public without someone else mm. for fear of encountering, encountering. yourself. Mm-hmm. And other. Mm-hmm. Yep. So vulnerability. Yes. Uh, in one's own personal work is the opening of oneself to oneself. Mm-hmm. And I think this is why people always have the TV on, music playing, social media scrolling in front of them for fear of what they might encounter in the quiet of their own presence. Right. So with you and your your epiphany, yeah, talk more about that. I ask people every day, excuse me, to come into into my office, the, my clinical room, and to tell their truth. Most of the time they do. Sometimes they don't. I know that. That's okay. That's part of the process. It's obvious when someone isn't being completely honest with themselves or with me or both. And that's, again, that's part of the therapeutic process and there isn't anything wrong with that. People, I don't think, trust themselves and their story, their truth, with other people. So they carry it around on their own. And then I think they begin to pretend like that isn't 
true, like it's not a part of them. Because what gets shared becomes truer, right? Like I can't remember what movie it was, but this man told his wife, I just, I had to tell you because nothing's real until I tell you, which is so powerful, right? And I think that's 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 a part of news. Like good news is meant to be shared. And when I have good news to share with you or you with me and we get excited for one another, it's like it's becoming real. You know, it might be great in my head, but it's not until someone else can join me in that. And I think that the same is true with sadness. And I don't think that people are good about telling their truth, being completely honest about it, being totally vulnerable, and trusting that they will be loved unconditionally, not despite what they've said, but because of it. And I don't think that's just a problem that other people have. I think that that's something that I wrestle with too. Can you put yourself though in those shoes of sharing something intimate and scary to share? Your first fear is you don't want people to tell everybody. You know, yeah, that's a scary thought. I'm gonna trust you enough. Trust, yes, Mm -hmm. it is. It is. I mean, we're in this world and society. I I don't trust many people overall, and I mean that with respect, and I feel like I have to defend that statement, and I just, what I mean is, is my deepest, uh, I'll say darkest for just relatability, is secrets. I don't tell just anybody, as anyone probably feels the same way, but my point is, is I'm not going to sit there and volunteer, like, for instance, you announcing your epiphany and, you know, your struggle with not having dealt with fully or nor ever with your father's passing. I mean, that's yeah. a pretty bold thing to say and to announce, you know? Well, I had a, a man in my office this morning who told me that he finally informed his his wife that he is an alcoholic and he had never said it to her. She had suspicions, but, you know, in good uh, Al-Anon fashion, wasn't keeping track. It's not her problem, was just trying to be supportive without enabling and Finally, he said, you know what, I know that I have a problem, and he told her, and he was telling me about all this, and he said, but I told her not to tell anyone. And I said, what if sharing your truth with someone who is not your spouse in this case is a part of the key that unlocks all of the mystery of of, of your sickness, you know? Like, why keep it a secret? What are we afraid of? We afraid that someone's going to think that we're just like everyone else, a yes. human being. That's exactly what we're afraid of. An actual that, human. That's what I worry about. You know, I don't want people to think that I'm a, a typical human being. This is why I struggle with being right. This is why I don't like criticism. Like it all fits together. All of the things that you and I have talked about, it all fits together in that I haven't yet grown comfortable with the contours of my own catastrophe, the, the the shape of my own grief. After 28 years this year, and I'm not even ashamed to say it, <laughs> it is very difficult to befriend and to get to know the ins and outs of the the trajectory of that of that trauma. And it's obviously not it has not finished its work in me. And I encounter that sometimes. You know, I'll watch a show 
And there's a father-son scene and the father's dead, but it's a flashback and you get all this, you know, all these emotions flowing. And typically I'm okay with that. And I'm, I'm honest, like I'll, I'll, Joy is kind enough to ask me, hey, are you okay? Because she knows I won't say, hey, I'm not okay. That's the problem. That's exactly the problem <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about. She shouldn't have to ask me. I should be the first one to say, I think I need you right now, or I think we need to take a break, or I think I need to talk about this, or no, I'm good. I'm good. You know, it's just a good, like, I need to be able to, to tell that truth, but I don't. And neither do most others at least in my experience. So, and I, I would be, I would put a wager on the fact that that might be true for you too. 100%. Because you're a human. 100%. Imagine the things you carry around and being able to go home and talk to your spouse about 100%, no filters, no expectations, no fear of judgment, no shame. You were just able to just tell her your truth. How liberating that would be, Right. But my guess is you probably don't do that. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I, I tend to keep it keep it to myself. And Why do we do that? Why do you do that? Exactly the same reason you just said mm-hmm. two minutes before is this idea that I don't want to be like everyone else. <laughs> I, I'm not a human being. Yeah. I'm perfect. I'm right. perfect and flawless and incapable of hurt. And, and the more we think that way the heavier that burden becomes mm-hmm. because we start shaming ourselves for carrying it in the first place. And we go farther into the woods, away from the light and the sounds of the voices of the people who would take care of us if we would let them. Right. And we ultimately end up in the dark and cold and alone. And other people feel rejected by that. People who have trusted themselves to us, who have been honest with us, who have been open and vulnerable to us, feel rejected when we don't return the favor because it's okay for you to be broken and I will hold you in it. It is not okay for me to be and for you to hold me in it. What if we all just admitted that we're not okay? I'm not okay. I'm not either. I'm, I am actually in the process of, I'm in the process of admitting that I don't like being in public without Mm -hmm. people while dealing with the grief of some very sad times at the funeral home Mm -hmm. with families that we're caring for. So it's a very sad time right now with young death. Yes. Infants. Infants. Young adults. Young adults. And I go home to my infant son, <laughs> you know, it's it's not easy. This is not an easy profession and not even the profession, the life that we live. It's not easy. It's not easy. And be kind to the people that you're walking beside because they're struggling too, you know? What needs to happen though to be able to move forward and to trust people, someone, one person, whether it's their spouse, uh, a sibling, a parent, a professional, what 
needs to happen for the breakdown so that we can have the breakthrough? I don't know that answer. For me, it was, for me, it was seeking professional mm-hmm. first, right? And then from there, because I'm very choosy with my circle. I mean, I used to not be. And the letting of everyone in, anyone and everyone gets you burned. And especially if someone is going through a very tender time, moment, they need trustworthy people, persons. So I think being conscientious of who you allow in your circle is crucial. And this is a, a major deal for me personally because, you know, my my circle's so tight, it's it's practically a dot. You really do have a tight tight circle. And and that doesn't necessarily feel good. I'm okay with it. I've come to terms with it. It can be a little lonely. Yeah, it can be. It can be. And and I think, you know, thankfully I do have um a partner and that makes a world of difference. But when when we have something that we want to share that's either beautiful or 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 tragic, you know, when you have that tight circle, there are fewer and fewer people that you feel like you can go to. Like it is hard to go to other people with our celebrations. There isn't, you know, because there's, I don't know, there's a weird, I don't know what it is, but people are not typically happy for other people when they're happy. We've talked about We've that. talked about that. And we are very aware of that dynamic. And so we tend to not put people in that position and we just kind of celebrate with gladness among ourselves when we are going through a tough time with a, a, a child or, um, you know, some vocational stuff, the, the same thing. People like to see people hurting. People like to see people fall. So it's very hard to trust that, you know, in vulnerability with someone, hey, I'm feeling a little insecure, a little bit unstable, a little sad about this or that. So we tend to just, you know, do that with and for one another. But what I'm realizing is I still have room to grow in being able to be that open with both celebration and the sadness, even in my tight little dot with, with, my, with my wife. Like I s- still have so much room to grow. You know, um, Joy is so great because she'll ask me like uh, after I, maybe I give a lecture or something and they'll say, oh, if she she's always there, which is amazing. But if I'm out of town or something, she can be there. She's like, oh, what did they say? What did they say? And I don't want to say, I don't want to say people were really kind. I was well received. People said, it, I, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. But that's the one person in the world that I should be able to do that with. And I, and I can, it's just hard for me because of my insecurities and not wanting to you know, say nice things about myself or whatever. And the same is true when they're, I'm carrying something heavy. I tend not to want to let her share that burden. Uh, we walk around a store. I want to carry all the groceries. I want to carry all the, the boxes, the bags, the whatever. She's like, let me help. Let me help. No, no, no. I got it. I, got it. I want to carry it all. Like that is a perfect metaphor for perfect. what I do emotionally. Like, no, no, I've got this. You don't, I don't want to burden you with it. I don't want to worry with it. You be free. I'll carry all this stuff. And at some point, you you realize that it's too much. Like I, I might be strong, but I'm not that strong. And as a result of not being vulnerable, it turns out I'm not strong at all. I'm actually quite weak. Because vulnerability is true strength. Daring to be vulnerable is the root of true strength. So us admitting that we're not okay to thousands of people is okay. <laughs> is strength. It's a start. 
It's a start. It's a start of strength. Yeah. <laughs> but we need to go farther into into our spaces with the people whom we trust and be real about that. Like, you know, the things that you wrestle with, uh, to which you alluded uh, a moment ago, however briefly, those things need to be shared with someone whom you trust. The things that I carry, I need to be sharing, you know, those more openly than I do and not carrying them around and pretending like I'm the Lone Ranger and I can handle it. You know, I've got all that. Like, no, there's no value in that. Why Why do we think there's value in carrying things alone? I don't, I really don't have a good answer for that. It's the, what, is it the myth of the rugged individual? Maybe. Well, we're not, mm. we're not rugged and we're not individuals. We're not islands. We're connected. And if we don't, recognize that and utilize that we cut ourselves off at the knees i think yeah it's very painful for other people so i'm realizing in my work as a therapist that i have to continue to encourage not direct but encourage other people to be honest i didn't say to just be honest because i don't want to minimize it in any way because it's hard but be honest if with no one else, at least with yourself. And once you're honest with yourself, it's easier to be honest with other people. Yeah. We lie to ourselves constantly. All the time. All the time. It is maddening to me. But I also, there's a line for me because I'm, a, I'm one to say I speak things into existence. Does that make sense? I like do. Even, I think that's true. Yes. When so, we say something, we call it into right? existence. Right. So... If I'm having a bad time or a bad thing's happening and I'm like, oh, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, there's that line, right? Because, no, it's not going to be okay. This right. situation is terrible. I just totaled my car and my insurance isn't going to pay for it and I don't know how I'm going to get to and from work and I don't have the funds necessary to obtain another vehicle and I need it to be safe enough to put my kid's car seat in the back. You get my point. That's not okay. Mm -hmm. That is stressful and it's sad. Yeah. Right? And yet we are loath to share that stress and sadness with another human being. Right. I say we. I mean, I, I think I speak for more than just myself. 100% confident that you're speaking for a, a large majority of the listeners, and that's okay. Yeah. So the this this call to vulnerability, it it's a mandate to being real. Anything less is a facade. And facades cannot stand up when the tough gets going. When the winds start blowing, the facade is the first thing that goes. Yep. Solid stone, that stands. The veneer, it's gone because it wasn't made of anything. It's not real. So I am aware that m my own uh, task toward authenticity, a word that I think I should probably stop using because I'm not doing it justice personally, uh, is, is that I have to recognize and then articulate my own struggles with that. And hopefully others listening will recognize that, you know what, I've been lying to other people or I've been lying to myself I'm not okay. I don't feel great about this. I don't like this. I'm not happy in this. And I'm ready to make a change. And I might need some support. And I'm I'm entrusting myself to you. Like I want everybody within earshot 
to be able to have at least one opportunity to say that to themselves and then to take the leap. And once you make the leap is when the net appears. You never see the net until you've already made the leap. Yeah. But you've got to do it. We, I've got to do it. I think it's pretty incredible that hearing you say, having an authentic moment and saying that you're not, you know, 100% good right now. Right. Because I've never heard you in our few years of friendship yeah. of you saying that. I mean, you're Mr. When I say Mr., you're a therapist and you're always on and you're right. always available and you always have the right things to say and you have to be that for mm. everybody because they need you. They rely on you. And so that's this weight that you carry. I actually love you more for you hearing you say that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Well, after 18 years of pastoral ministry where you're really not allowed to be yourself and you have to do that painstaking uh, false work of... Uh, being like a wraith and taking on the shape of what other other people want you to be, and you spread that across four or five hundred different people, and you do that for almost two decades, it's really easy to slide back into that familiar pattern. The thing with familiarity is, it doesn't matter how awful it is, it's yours. So yeah, this may be a dump, but it's my dump, and I'm going to stay, even though I know I have other options. Familiarity breeds contempt, they say. That's a part of what that means. So I want to not slide back into that old familiar pattern of trying to please and to be perfect, but to allow my scars to show and to not shy away from that, to just, you know, tell the truth. I think you've opened a lot of people's eyes today to help them realize that being off is okay. Not being okay is okay. I'm not okay with not being okay. Yeah. So my growth is learning to be okay with it. Right. But I'm not yet. And right. I and I think that maybe that's a part of why I'm able to be with the, those beautiful, beautiful people I get to be with every day because neither of us is, or none of us is really okay with not being okay. And we just we just wrestle that out, you know, for fifty minutes at a time, and we figure out, okay, I know what I need to do. I know my at least my next step. Oh. You do that over time, and you've just you've come a long way, and you can look back and say, "Wow, look at me now." But I can say, after years of doing my own work, my own inner work and therapy, and because to be a therapist, you have to obviously be in therapy. Uh, years and years of doing that in various settings and having some of the best teachers in the land and some of the best places, best schools in the land, I still struggle. So that could be bad news for me, but it should be good news really for all of us. Because it's great news for everyone. We're all just novices. We're always only beginners. That's the first, I think, principle and the rule of St. Benedict. We're all only beginners no matter how far we think we've come. I love that. I appreciate you sharing today. Thank you too. It's uh, it's heavy, but it's important. And I want to uh, make space for people to think about what it would mean for themselves to be vulnerable and to tell the truth. Um, the, the, the joke of it, the pain of it, the beauty of it, the tragedy of it. Tell the truth, be vulnerable, stop your hiding. You're only hurting yourself. 
after this episode, press pause, get on your phone, scroll down to somebody that you absolutely love that you need to talk to and give them a call and say, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what's going on right now. I promise you it'll probably feel a lot better. Dr. Carroll, you look a little bit more light, lighter, a little more light. Thank you. Yeah. I had to throw in one stupid statement on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you uh, to you You'll Die Trying podcast listeners. As always, you've made our day. You have. I'm Nathan. I'm Jonathan. I'll see you next time.